Hi, and welcome to the latest episode of the Good Works Podcast. Today, Sarah and I are going to talk about a couple of changes to our grant making uh, this summer. And as always, please stick with us until the end when we'll talk about what we're looking forward to. Well, hi, Sarah. Hi, Randy, (laughs) from a distance. (laughs) Uh, We were really hoping that by this point, we would not be still distanced from each other, but I'm still in the blanket fort. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm still in my home office. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed for next month. Next month, I have high hopes that the end of June, um, we will all be in one room together. And that would also include our our podcast producer, Sean Lukasik, um, because we're hoping by that point, even he will perhaps be able to meet with us, which would be even more exciting. Yes. Yeah. Can't wait. So, but that doesn't mean we're not doing a lot of work here at the foundation and that things aren't moving forward at like sort of a warp speed. Even though we're being very safe as we do this, we are doing a lot as far as our grant making is concerned. And I know we've talked a lot about the Unity Fund with the community and um, even on this podcast about sort of COVID-19 response. But interestingly, that's not the end of COVID-19 as far as it impacts grant making. And in fact, we think we'll be feeling the impacts of this crisis for months, if not a year or more to come. Um, So interestingly, I read something today that really spoke to me that said, the real leadership test is ahead of us. We crisis response is all about adrenaline and, you know, making sure you're handling the thing right in front of you. But leadership is a bit more about when you don't know what the future holds, but you need to take smart action today so that you put your your work in, um, you know, on the right path. So I am really proud of the Community Foundation and of you, Sarah, because the leadership that is being shown is around how we're adjusting our grant making in the time to come with so much still unknown. Um, So that's what we thought we would talk about today. So dear listeners, prepare yourself. (laughs) We're going to go deep tracks grant making and share some definitions and some things about what's going on here, all on the topic of general operating support. Um, Yeah, (laughs) party time. Sarah, would you like to talk about, like define that for our listeners? Oh, sure. (laughs) So I just want to, let me, I just want to back up like one second and just say that, you know, these ideas have been percolating really since March when all of this started just happening Um, with us, you know, the staff of us at the foundation, just really trying to think about, okay, what, what is the world going to look like? And just like you said, 12 months, 24 months. So we were right in the middle of, or actually the the beginning of the, um, Unity Fund um, grant making, where we really started to think, okay, let's let's now really also look at what's going to happen with a community grant program um, in responding to what we knew would be pretty severe needs of our nonprofit organizations. So, to that definition of general <laughs> operating support, um, that really basically means. What does it take for organizations to keep the lights on, to keep their staff employed? All of those expenses that go into um, sort of the mechanics of running the ship, um, 
very different from our traditional grant making in that it's um, not focused on at all specific programs or direct services of the organization, but it's all of that foundational stuff that enables programs and projects and direct services to become a reality. That's right. And it's something that we don't typically do a lot to support the general concept of general operating support. And that's because um, typically as a community foundation, what we want to make sure we're doing is funding things that are really measurable. And that's, I wanted to just take a second to explain There are a lot of different kinds of foundations. So family foundations, for instance, are created by, you know, one family, a couple, maybe cousins. And that kind of philanthropy means that the people that start the foundation, they're totally in charge of the grant making. It's essentially money they've put into a foundation themselves to make grants happen. So they don't really need to be super transparent and or super accountable to a community because it's really not the, you know, it's really kind of none of the business of the community to be really blunt about it. It's their philanthropy. It's very private. It's very, very personal. So they might decide to give, you know, a lot of money to one particular organization for general operating support. They don't really need to explain what they've done or why they've done it. Now, community foundations, even though we both share the word foundation in our names, we're really different. We're super duper transparent. We report on every grant we make and we want the community to feel safe and the they we want them to feel that we are always vetting every dollar that goes out the door and making sure it's being invested and spent really carefully so one of the things with general operating support is you don't really say how the organization should spend it you say here's a grant and you use it you do what you need to do you you do what you think is best. Now, for private foundations, that is a really great relationship to have. But for community foundations, we usually prefer to direct our funding, to direct our grants to specific projects and programs so that we know exactly how the dollars are being spent. Right. But with that in mind, in a time like now, in a time like COVID, boy, an organization, they do need to keep the lights on. They do need to be paying their insurances and, you know, mileage out to caseworkers that are driving around these counties. Like those are the things they need to pay for. And starting a new program or making a purchase, the kind of thing we would typically fund, just isn't in the cards right now. Um, So, Sarah, can you talk to us a bit about the decision we made and how we figured out what, w- what it would take for a community foundation to make general operating grants smartly and in a way that we feel that we can really report back to the community that we've done our due diligence. Right. So we um, assembled a team. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yep. Of, of really um, smart folks in the, in the universe of nonprofit um, um, administration, really. And I did a bunch of research online to see um, what other foundations who were more experienced in general operating support, um, the kinds of questions that they asked on applications, what their process looked like. And then I put together a draft and then we um, met via Zoom with our brain trust on the grant on general operating support just to pass it by them to see, are we asking the right questions? Does this make sense? What other kind of information do we need? Um 
you know, we, we wanted to make the application process as simple as possible. And we also wanted to ensure that if we had an organization that didn't need to ask for general operating support or didn't fit into um, the four or five pieces of eligibility criteria, that they could still apply for a grant from the Community Foundation. So that's why um, those organizations most familiar with our, our program or project grants, they can still apply for that. It's like a, and I love your analogy, Randy, and <laughs> these were my favorite books growing up, uh, <laughs> where the choose your own adventure, where you finish a chapter and at the end of the page, it says, you know, would you like to go here or would you like to skip to this chapter? I always found myself skipping to the next chapter, but anyways, mm -hmm. um, so or, our nonprofits can really choose. They can say, okay, I don't really need general operating support, but I would like to have support for this program. Um, and go that direction, or in, as in the case of lots of our arts and cultural institutions who have um, really suffered the effects of the pandemic, they're going more towards the general operating support. So that's sort of how we got to where we are today through lots of thinking and discussions. Um, and beyond that, actually, I should rewind, and Randy, you can jump in here about um, the decision-making that our board had to make around it. We mm -hmm. did have to take this idea to our board of directors for formal approval before we just went ahead and said, oh, we're going to do general operating support. So there's a whole process that was in play before we, you know, opened up the cycle. There sure was. And our board is the community's surrogate. So our board represents lots of different kinds of people in the community. And their question was, you know, how will we make sure that this feels as rigorous as the rest of our grant making? And those were wonderful questions that we were fortunately prepared to answer. Um, it's funny, we turn to our board for approval and on, on strategy, um, and they're so helpful because that's their role, is to think strategically. And so anticipating the questions they have always makes us better at what we're doing. Yep. And then the other part of that, though, is that Sarah and I and the other folks that work here, John and, and Katie and Nancy part-time, we're also community members. So typically, the first starting point is, how would we respond to this information if we were to hear this? Because we live here, too. So we think, well, what would we want to make sure is in place? And then we think, what would the board want to make sure is in place? And typically, by the time we've gone through all those exercises and we get to the point where we turn to the brain trust, um, we've really incorporated what the what everyone will need to make this successful. Um, now, before we get to what we're looking forward to, I do want to ask you, if there are people listening to this podcast right now that are grant writers in the region and they're planning to apply for these dollars and, and, in, and be part of this brand new cycle, what kind of tips do you have for them? Um, I would first suggest that they send me a quick email. Um, <laughs> Very good. <laughs> um, and just uh, let me know that they're considering applying and, you know, they can dump in there any question that they have. Um, a step before that would be actually to go to the website. Um, it's communityfund.org. And they click at the nonprofit tab right on the top. And that should take them to a menu of grant making opportunities that we have. So look for community grant program. And there you will see um, both the program opportunity as well as the general operating support opportunity with links to um, guidelines. The guidelines for the general operating support grants are pretty specific and hopefully we'll be able to answer a lot of your questions in terms of 
who can apply, um, how much you can apply for, um, the kinds of things that we're going to ask. Um, the question list is also um, on the website too. So you can take a peek at, um, to see the kinds of questions that we're asking because they are somewhat different than the program um, request. And then, of course, if you have questions, you can certainly um, send me an email. Um, and then the first step to your application process is submitting that letter of intent. And that's just really giving me a heads up that you plan on applying. And if I see, if I have any questions about um, your organization or what you are thinking about applying for, I'll ask you at that time. So super easy. Just go to the website first and um, start from there. Wonderful. And that letter of intent deadline is coming right up. It's June 1st. We've been actually talking about this with our nonprofit community for several weeks now. Um, So in addition to the letter of intent deadline on June 1st, what else are you looking forward to, Sarah? I'm looking forward to um, more phases. Yes. (laughs) To the pandemic, actually. Yeah. I'm looking forward to um, understanding what our new normal is going to look like. Um, I know for a lot of people, um, myself included at times, this has just been a very scary and uncertain time. Um, But I'm really looking forward to the possibilities of what it might mean for our community. I've seen so much creativity. Um, I'm, uh, I'm just I'm looking forward to getting together in, in groups again. So just super simple stuff. How about you, Randy? Well, I am looking forward to those things as well, but something pretty specific I'm looking forward to is that Hamilton (laughs) musical uh, will be on Disney Plus in July, um, and there's this whole drop, and I've been very fortunate that I got to see Hamilton um, live, but I cannot wait to see the filmed uh, production, the original cast production. It was going to be released in theaters next summer. So we all get to see it an entire year ahead of time, which is pretty cool. Um, And it's funny, you know, I'm not like trying to shill for Disney Plus. So (laughs) basically, um, if you don't have Disney Plus, like post on Facebook that you're looking for a friend with Disney Plus. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I've got it too. So yeah, yeah. So um, I am really looking forward to that because um, every summer we have an annual trip where my daughter and I, um, we tend to go in August to see Broadway shows. It's like the thing we do. And sadly, last week, um, the tickets we'd already purchased were refunded to us because Broadway will not be even beginning to consider opening until September. And even that is a big question mark. So I'm going to have to scratch that itch by watching stuff on TV instead. Um, So, you know, it's something to look forward to in these weird times. Yep, sure is. Um, the other thing that I'm looking forward to, and this is a little bit different, is that we are going to go ahead, even though things around summer camp are really up in the air right now, we're going to go ahead and work on our camperships anyway. So Sarah will be going ahead and processing camperships and awards. Um, for anyone who's not aware of that, those are scholarships for camp. And what we're going to tell families that are awarded those is that if camp doesn't happen this year, they don't need to worry about it. We will set the money aside until next year and they don't have to reapply. They'll be able to just, you know, take that into account when they have next year's summer plans. Um, so my big hope is that summer camp will be able to happen in some way, um, either the overnight camps or maybe at least the day camps. I know that there are a lot of wonderful camp opportunities in the Finger Lakes and I'd hate to think that we go a whole summer without that happening. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Let's, 
try to give this gift to kids and to parents for that matter. <laughs> yes, I think the parents are looking forward to camp just as much as the kids yeah. are. This year. <laughs> um, and camperships are a great way to help kids that might otherwise, it'd be a little tough to find those dollars in really stretched and limited budgets. It makes sure that we can help all kinds of kids go to camp and have those great experiences. So that's something else I'm looking forward to is at least spreading some good news that you know, the money is there this year or next year in the event that this year doesn't work out. Yep. Well, it was nice to chat with you, even though, you know, you're still far, far away. I miss you. I know. I miss you, too. Um, so, you know, okay, end of June. We've got it. Like, uh, let's just put all of our hope into the basket that the end of June, we will record in our usual studio space, such that it is the table in the basement. (laughs) Um, And that we'll be looking at each other and we'll be talking about something brand new and exciting um, that will lift all of our spirits because we'll be in phase four and all kinds of great things will be happening in the community. Yeah. So keep wearing your masks, people, so we can podcast in person. (laughs) That's right. If everyone does their job, then everyone gets the reward. This is the ultimate time where we all have to play along and play by the rules because then we all get the reward of phase four and our lives going into this new, exciting future that's even better than the past. That's right. Well, thank you all for listening until the end of this week's or this month's uh, Good Works podcast. We really appreciate that you listened along and we appreciate that you've taken this journey with us during the COVID-19 time in the Finger Lakes. We hope that you're safe. We hope that you're healthy and we really hope that everyone is back out and together again before we record again. So thanks for listening. <music>